It is a crossover Thursday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks and the Locked On Gators podcast. Can South Carolina get revenge on Florida or will Billy Napier get Shane for the second year in a row? We'll touch on all of that right here on today's show. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation and Gator Nation. Welcome back to this crossover edition of the Locked On Gamecocks and the Locked On Gators podcast, where we cover your respective team every single day. I'm Andrew Line with Locked On Gamecocks podcast, joined today by Locked On Gators host Brandon Olson. We both thank y'all so much for making our podcast your first listen or watch here today. Both of our shows are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's special crossover edition between both of our shows is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more right now as new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Brandon, how are things going, man? Um, They could be better. <laughs> <laughs> they could they could certainly be better. Uh, four and two, it's it's hard to complain at this point in the season to be four and two. I know it's all about to come crashing down and, and break my heart a bit, but until then, wee that that's that's the only thing I can do about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm right there with you on that. And uh, South Carolina, they've definitely had a roller coaster start to this season as well. Really brutal schedule to start this season. I know that South Carolina and Florida fans can both relate to that. A great deal, but obviously we're about to enter the second half of the 2023 regular season, so there's still a lot of goals and objectives that are out there in front of both Billy Napier for Florida and Shane Beamer of South Carolina, and for this matchup, uh, it's going to be really important, I think, for both coaches. South Carolina, I think it's fair to say this is a must-win game for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks because you don't want to get to 2-4, and four. and after you play the Gators, you play the Missouri Tigers on the road, you play Texas A&M on the road, and you have to end the season with matchups against Kentucky and Clemson. Yikes. And then for Florida... You talked about it before we started this show. The Gators have to play Florida State. They got to play LSU. They still got the world's largest cocktail party against Georgia. And so if this is a game that the Gators drop, then yeah, that road to bowl eligibility even gets a lot more difficult. What are your thoughts on the importance of this game from the Gators side of things? Yeah, I, I especially think that if you're looking at this in terms of becoming bowl eligible, then, then this is a huge game because you have this one. If you win this, then you're five and two heading into your bye. But after your bye, you've got Georgia, Arkansas is your next, or Arkansas is your most likely win after this. And I'm not even going to chalk it. So it's your most likely win after this game. Then you have LSU at LSU. So you're heading to Death Valley. Then you play at Missouri if you're the Florida Gators. And then you end hosting Florida State. And Florida State's pretty good this year. So for me, I think if you're looking in terms of becoming bowl eligible or possibly even surpassing what you did last year with a six and seven record and you go, hey, maybe we don't want to have a losing record this year. I think that just makes this game so much more important because I, I have a very hard time going, yeah, those final five games, Florida's going to hand, handedly win two of them right now. Uh, that, that's just not something I can say with any sort of honesty, if, if we're just being real here. 
Yeah, and for South Carolina, you know, you talked about it on the Gators and the Gamecocks. Uh, they've got a very tough stretch coming up. If they want to get to bowl eligibility, they're going to have to probably pull off a victory or two that maybe the rest of the country is not expecting. The Gamecocks are going to do that. It's going to have to happen because of the play of quarterback Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler has clearly taken a massive step forward this year in this offense. I think that it's fair to say that new offensive coordinator Dow Loggins has had a lot to do with that. But the unfortunate thing, Brandon, is that Spencer Rattler has not gotten a whole lot of help outside of Xavier Leggett and a couple of solid games for maybe a second receiving option out there. There hasn't been a lot of consistency with this offense. The offensive line, everyone knows the nine-sack game that they had against North Carolina week one. We've heard about a thousand times now. But, um, you know, they are starting a couple young guys up front. It's a lot of new starters compared to what they had last year. So they have been trying to get into a rhythm so far this season. And then the running back room, I just have to be honest, this running back room is probably one of the least talented um, in the SEC. I mean, there are a couple of solid players back there. Mario Anderson Jr. has emerged over the past couple weeks, especially against Tennessee and Mississippi State. To carry on Joyner, he's a veteran. He's played in big games, so he offers, obviously, some intangibles in that aspect. And a couple of other guys that, you know, they just need another year or two possibly to develop before they can really help out this football team. But you combine that with a defense that you know, has had their moments, but hasn't been able to step up to the challenge against, you know, North Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee. This is a team that, you know, they have had a lot of things not go their way so far. And so for South Carolina, they're going to need quarterback Spencer Rattler to continue to lead the charge when it comes to this matchup against the Florida Gators. Now, the funny thing is, Brandon, for Florida, uh, Graham Mertz, when you look at the statistics between both these quarterbacks, he actually has a better stat line, at least on the surface of it. So, what do you attribute that to, and do you think that it's because Grant Mertz is just flat out playing better than Spencer Rattler, or what all has played a role in sort of his development this year in Billy Napier's offense? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes from a, a, a couple of reasons. The first one probably being how just generally low everybody was on Grant Mertz going into this year. I think that's a big part of why everyone's like, oh, he's he's playing really well, because everyone unanimously pretty much decided, hey, he's probably not going to be very good this year because we saw what he did at Wisconsin, which was bad. And I've said it a million times before, everybody on that coaching staff that had anything to do with the offense belongs in prison for the rest of their lives for what they did to so many players, because that was the worst offense I've ever seen. And I've seen, I've, I've watched the Muschamp era of the Florida Gators. So I've seen some pretty bad offense before. But I think that part of it's Graham Mertz being in a more open offense, more pistol sets, more shotgun, as opposed to being under center constantly. And a lot of those numbers are just flat out him just checking the ball down or getting it out quick and short. He's got one of the shortest average depth of targets in the entire country amongst starting quarterbacks. You look at quarterbacks that have actually started games and, and played consistently Graham Mertz has an average depth of target of 5.6 yards per attempt. That's third shortest in the entire country. And it's shortest wow. in the power five level and the sec level by a pretty sizable margin. So I, I think that a lot of it is just getting the ball out quick because this is also a team where our offensive line hasn't been playing too well in Gainesville. They, they've given up quite a few pressures. So I'm expecting a very hideous game this weekend, but a lot of Graham, I, I will say I, I went into the season saying, Hey, Graham Mertz isn't great. He's average. 
We'll see what he can be. As long as he doesn't screw it up, I'm fine with it. I don't expect him to really make big plays. He's made more plays than I anticipated him to make. He looked better escaping pressure out of the pocket than I ever thought he would look. And so I'm I'm going to say that I was relatively low-ish on Graham Mertz, but I he he's playing lights out. I understand the average of the target is not impressive whatsoever, but he's doing his job, and that's really all you can ask for him. So for me, Graham's playing fine. He he's not Heismertz, but but he's he, he's playing he's playing everything that we need him to do in Gainesville. Right. And as long as you got a quarterback that's not going to put the ball in harm's way too often and sort of help manage the entire offense, especially when you got some other good components around him, it could definitely make a difference for a football team like the Florida Gators that's trying to build off of what they did in year one under Billy Napier. When Brandon Olson and I come back in just a couple moments, we're going to talk about a couple of matchups within this matchup. What are a couple of areas of this game that you, the fans, should pay close attention to? We'll touch on all of that in a couple moments. Want to let y'all know that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Brandon, I know that the New York Giants are a team that you cover pretty closely. How have they been doing so far this year? And how do you think they're going to perform compared to their over-under that they have right now? Smash the under. Smash the under. Just I I don't care what the live line is. Smash the under. Those dudes are breaking my heart week in and week out. Whether it's Daniel Jones taking sacks or the offensive line just not being able to protect him to save his life. No matter the reason, the Giants have not had a good year. And as Brandon Olson just said right here on our crossover show, uh, do not put any trust in the Giants to turn things around this season. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks and the Locked On Gators podcast, where we cover your teams every single day. And as always, from Brandon and I, a big thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make the Locked On Gamecocks or Locked On Gators podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock or Florida Gator sports coverage. Brandon, let's dive into some of the key matchups now for this game. And I think for Florida and South Carolina both, the thing that we can say about both these teams is that they got a couple of superstar quality players at certain positions. But otherwise, it's a bunch of guys that maybe are just some average players or maybe guys that are starting to become stars this season. So whether it's a one-on-one matchup or maybe a position group versus position group matchup, what is something that you're going to be watching in this game on Saturday afternoon? I think the biggest thing for me right now is probably the South Carolina front 
against the Florida Gators offensive line because the Florida Gators offensive line, they've been bad, but we'll say this. Both offensive lines have been bad, but the Florida Gators offensive line has been bad so far this year. And I hate to say that because I don't like saying that people are bad at their jobs, but it's been rough to watch this passing attack, try to operate with any semblance of a deep game, partially because yes, Graham Mertz is not a great deep ball thrower, but also because if he even looks past 10 yards downfield, probably getting hit somewhere and this is a South Carolina pass rush that has had a little bit of trouble getting going consistently uh, had a couple of big games uh, I think it was the was it Mississippi State with like 25 pressures or something like that it was, it was a big game for them and I don't want this to become a game where South Carolina goes we found our pass rush against this Florida Gators offensive line that isn't great so I think this is going to be a, a, a battle this is going to be a mid-off here, right in the middle of the trenches. Um, we're going to watch this Florida Gators offensive line, which has specifically struggled in pass protection as well and is constantly shuffling in new names and new bodies along there against a South Carolina pass rush that's been inconsistent. I don't want to say bad because, I mean, you, you have any game with 25 pressures against an SEC Power 5 opponent, that's a pretty damn good game. So I don't want to say they've been bad. They've been inconsistent, though, and, and I think that's a big concern for me with Florida, you have to win the battle up front. Otherwise, this offense just punted on first down at that point. Yeah, Brennan, yeah. When you talk about South Carolina's defensive front, I can definitely attest to what you're saying about the inconsistency. Uh, that's been related to a couple different things. The Gamecocks obviously were a poor loser in certain instances this past offseason, and one of those position groups that got hit the hardest was the edge rusher group. Jordan Birch goes on to Oregon. Gilbert Edmond goes down to Florida State. Jordan Strong was coming off a torn ACL that he suffered this past year. And behind him are guys that are younger and have some talent, have some potential. But like you mentioned, just maybe haven't been able to find that consistent groove so far this season. So that will definitely be a matchup that I'll be interested to watch as well. On my end, Brandon, the thing that I'm going to be paying attention to is how does South Carolina maybe try to get their ground game going against Florida's defense? Now, I am not going to sit here by any means and say Saffron's going to have anywhere near the amount of success that Ray Davis of Kentucky had a couple weeks ago in Lexington. That is not going to happen. If it does, uh, quite frankly, I'm just I'm not going to believe that the game is actually real and happening in front of me if the Gamecocks rush for 300 yards. But the thing about South Carolina is they seem to be a bit stubborn about zone blocking and trying to necessarily get the ball to the perimeter, get the ball sort of to the edge. And I noticed that in the Kentucky game, albeit Kentucky runs a power run blocking scheme, much more so than South Carolina, they seem to have some success when they got the ball to the outside and they forced Florida's defenders to have to make one-on-one plays in the open field. And Martin Anderson Jr., he's a similar running back compared to Ray, Ray Davis. He is a shorter back, but he's a stocky back. He's got a low center of gravity, and he is not easy to bring down on first contact. So if you're South Carolina, you've struggled all year to establish the ground game. And if you want to have out Spencer Rattler the second half of this season, a great idea would be to get that ground game going even more. And Florida's not a team that you're going to, again, rush for chunks of yards against. But can you get to like 125 yards? Can you get to 150 I'm going to throw out a stat to you, Brandon, that I actually gave to Eric Kane a couple weeks ago when the Gamecocks played Tennessee. In the Shane Beamer era, when South Carolina rushes for 100 yards or more on the ground, they are 15-2 and two under Shane Beamer. So when they've been able to have any semblance of balance offensively, more often than not, they have found a way to win the football game in the end. 
Obviously, that's not going to be the only factor that's going to matter in this game, but I do think it's going to be a big key for South Carolina if they want to be able to get a game that, again, is a must-win game for them. You cannot drop this game under any circumstances or else the rest of the schedule is going to just look overwhelming in terms of trying to get to six wins, try to win four more games and get to bowl eligibility. So, for the Gamecocks, I think that's going to be the biggest key for them in this contest. Is there anything else that sticks out to you in this game, maybe looking across the board? Maybe for Florida's offense in particular, maybe their defense on their side. Yeah, I'm looking for the Florida Gators offense. We need supporting cast members to show up for the Florida Gators because for so long this season, it's weird. The player who seems to make the most impact, like Ricky Pearsall is the best receiver on the team. Eugene Wilson the third when he's on the team and when he's on the field a true freshman he's been just such a they play different when he's on the field he's one of those guys where it's like get him the ball and once once it's in his hands you're like oh he could house this at, at any point he's that that kind of dynamic playmaking ability but just when he's on the field Billy Napier opens up the play calling he's he's always going to have the jet motion coming across when Eugene Wilson was injured it was Ricky Pearsall running the jet motion they didn't give him the ball on that jet motion. He was just running it to get cardio in. I don't know if his Fitbit needed more steps or whatever it was, but he was just running to get cardio in. Eugene Wilson III, they give the ball on those sweeps because he's so dynamic and so fast, and they run his little swing and screens, and they get him the ball in dynamic playmaking ways. He's had a good game. Arliss Boardingham against Vanderbilt had a breakout game. He had... Uh, it was seven catches on seven targets for 99 yards and two touchdowns from the tight end spot. And I remember looking at the numbers. That was the fourth most yards any tight end had in the country this past week. And Arliss Bort- there's been one incompletion when Graham Mertz has targeted Arliss Boardingham. It was picked off. But there was one incompletion <laughs> and it hit Arliss in the hands. Um, he just, it was triple coverage. It just hit him in the hands, dropped and got picked. But I need the supporting cast members to step up for the Florida Gators. We know Ricky Pearsall is very good. We know that Eugene Wilson can change the scheme because the play calling just when he's on the field is different, but get him the ball. Let him make plays. Arliss Boardingham, Can you string together good performances? Because Arliss missed most of last year with injury. Didn't really show up much as a pass catcher until the Vanderbilt game this season. So was that a breakout? Was that a fluke? What was it? But up, the supporting cast needs to step up in this passing game because I, I just don't know how you can look at this and go, yeah, Ricky Pearsall is going to be the guy and everyone else, you get one or two catches and, and try to make magic happen with those. Yeah, Brandon, that's something that South Carolina's offense can relate to as well. Um, I haven't talked about him yet somehow. We're about 20 minutes into this show, but Xavier Leggett, he has been a big, big uh, superstar for this football team on the offensive side, especially with Juice Wells being out for the majority of the season for the most part. But South Carolina also needs to find number two on offense as well. Is that going to be a guy like Trey Knox who has, you know, taken some steps in the past couple of games? Is it going to be an Omega Blake, a guy that's kind of been filling in that role for Juice Wells in one of those outside receiver slots? Is it going to be their slot receiver, Maureen Brown, who at this point I think should be pretty much recovered from a hamstring injury that he suffered in week two against Furman. So, Carolina, they're in the same exact position as Florida. There's a lot of similarities between both of these teams, and it's part of the reason why a lot of people think this is going to be a very close football game. But what do Brandon and I both think about this game and how it's going to play out? We'll touch on that in just a few moments. 
Today's show is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Now, Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you also run your own website when it comes to NFL data and statistics or NFL draft analysis? I do. I do, actually, yes. <laughs> so let's say that, Brandon, you grow that website to become something really big to a point where you can staff a whole plethora of people. You do not want someone who is bad with numbers to be maybe a statistician for you on your staff. You do not want someone who's going to be a serial procrastinator to be someone that covers maybe some breaking news items on your website. For people like Brandon who maybe run something like a website or a consultation firm or whatever small business it may be, they need to have the right people to help their business or website grow. And if that's the case, you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs because it will help you find those people. Just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring and utilize tools like screening questions to filter through the candidates. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks and the Lockdown Gators podcast, where we cover your respective teams every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, Brandon, we've made it to the end of the show. So it's time for us to give our final predictions for how we think this game is going to play out. What are your thoughts on how things are going to unfold for the Gators? And do you think Florida is going to walk out of williams Bryce Stadium with a victory on Saturday? I will say that I, I do think Florida walks out with a victory, but I'm like 55-45 in, in Florida's favor here. It's just 55% Florida or 45% South Carolina just because Florida's 1-7 in seven on the road under Billy Napier. That's, for those who aren't familiar, that's really freaking bad. Um, there's just no other way to put that. Florida is changing their approach to how, how they go to this road game. They're traveling earlier than usual. They've been late travelers, and it's maybe been a reason that they start slow, but Florida's been earlier than usual. They're traveling earlier than usual. I think that they understand that this is a very important game for them because they understand that the last half of their schedule, it, it's just the gauntlet for the rest of the year, and there's no other way to put it. And you have to walk away with at least one win there, two if you lose this game. So I, I think that for Florida, they understand how important this game is for them towards bowl eligibility. I think that the way Florida matches up is it's just one of those games where I, I think South Carolina is better than non South Carolina fans give them credit for. But I think that the way these teams match up kind of favors Florida, like specifically you mentioned zone blocking is a big point of this, a big point of emphasis for South Carolina's run game. The best way to stop zone blocking is to just destroy the gaps on the interior. Even if you're trying to run wide or inside, destroy those gaps on the interior and let people just wreak havoc there and let linebackers come up and make plays. Cam Jackson's been just a freak along the defensive line for the Florida Gators right in the middle. He's that big nose tackle number 99. You'll see him make a lot of plays. You'll see him talk a lot of trash after plays too, but he's a big reason that when Tennessee came into the swamp, Tennessee could have their five O lineman, a tight end and a running back And Florida was like, yeah, no, we're putting five guys in the box. And we're just having Cam Jackson wreck things in the middle of the formation. And that's what he did. And I would kind of expect that as well. Kentucky had a lot of success 
running those counters specifically and, and that wide trap that they like to run. But I think a lot of that was having inexperienced linebackers try to track where the ball was going and identify the gap. I think they're fine playing zone, playing against a zone run scheme. We'll see. They've proven me wrong plenty of times. But I, I think that that's a big reason for me is that I think that Florida's defense can force South Carolina into some obvious rushing, rushing situations. And this is what the, the second best pass defense in the country and in, uh, in the SEC right now for the Florida Gators. I'm going to feel confident about being able to slow down South Carolina. For me, it's more, is Florida's offense going to work? Or are they going to poop the bed again? Yeah, on South Carolina's end, I kind of go along the same lines of what you're saying, Brandon, in the sense that I, I think this is going to be a tight game. I think that South Carolina's going to find a way to win this game. And the reasons for that are, one, I just think that South Carolina is very tough to beat in Williams-Brice Stadium, especially for a game that I think that the team and the fan base are going to know is an important game, a must-win game, as we've discussed now a thousand times on today's show. This is a sold-out game. This is also a revenge game for South Carolina. We haven't talked about this at all, surprisingly, to this point, but uh, South Carolina lost 38-6 to to Florida last year, and you did not score a single offensive point. I don't think the offense is going to need any motivation to come out here and try to rectify what happened last season um, against that Gators defense. That's not to say that they're going to score, you know, 38 points maybe and just try to get right back against them. But I do think that this is going to be a really tough game. I think it's going to be a very physical football game. I think if you're South Carolina's defense, that's going to be the unit that I'm going to pay attention to in this contest. I still think that this is a... Um, unfavorable matchup in terms of the ground game for South Carolina's defense. So my question for you is, okay, you could give up a few first downs here and there, but do you let Florida just drive at will? Do you let them go downfield 75 yards and score touchdowns? Or do you let them maybe get to your side of the field, but find a way to get that critical stop when you need to get it? I think that South Carolina having that extra week of preparation, having the home crowd behind them, I think that's going to make a difference in this football game. The other thing is, I've seen some Florida games this year, and for them being called the game changers, I don't see a whole lot of great special teams play from this Gators team. We never <laughs> promised they were positive changes to the game. Okay? They never promised that part. They just said game changers. It is our, it is our fault for thinking they meant they were going to positively change the game that's on us yeah you know what Brandon that's a very fair point I'm gonna give a touche on that one but for South Carolina yeah their special teams units I'll, I will say this they're not as good as they were last year but I do think that South Carolina you can also argue they will have a special teams advantage in this game so you combine all that I think that South Carolina is going to find a way to win and by the way for those of you who are uh gamblers FanDuel has set the line for this game at minus two and a half points in favor of South Carolina, basically because of home field advantage. The money line for Florida is plus 108. The money line for South Carolina is minus 130. So if you think you know who's going to win this football game, put your money where your mouth is and go over to FanDuel right now and put some money down on either the spread or money line. But with all that being said, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. I just did. I just want to make that clear. I, I just did put money on. <laughs> oh. There you go. Locked on Gator fans. Your host just put legit money down while we're taping this show on this football game. So, again, if you're confident, feel free to make a bet yourselves. He is Brandon Olson of Locked on Gators. I'm Andrew Lyon of the Locked on Gamecocks podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this crossover edition between both of our shows. 
For you Gamecock fans, be sure to go check out Brandon over at Locked On Gators for coverage from the Florida side of things and how maybe he's analyzing this football game. And of course, you Gator fans, comment section's always open, whether it's positive or negative, I can take it. Come on over to Locked On Gamecocks and feel free to say, or feel free to see, I should say, what I am saying about this matchup from the Gamecocks side of things. But Brandon, great talking to you as always. For all of you viewers and listeners, we'll be sure to catch y'all on our Friday show on the Locked On Gamecocks and the Locked On Gators podcast. Oh, 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 oh,